Welcome to The Business, live from Room 5. Hello uh, and welcome to Live from Room 5 from Lovewell Blake. My name is Sam Palmer and I'm a tax consultant here at Lovewell Blake. Uh, and today I'm pleased to be joined by Ed Passmore. Hi Sam, my name's Ed and uh, I'm pleased to be here. Thanks for joining me. As a bit of an introduction on Lovewell Blake, uh, we're based in Norwich and are sort of the leading East Anglian-based accountancy firm. Uh, and today uh, on our podcast, we are talking about research and development tax relief and how that could benefit your, your business. Absolutely. R&D is one of the services we offer here at Lovewell Blake, along with a variety of other accounting services, a sort of full package that we offer through from the personal tax returns, corporation tax returns, along with audit, accounting and other compliance and advisory services. What's important to note about R&D is that it's one of the sort of five key pillars of funding that a company could receive in its lifetime. So broadly, those pillars are, are grant funding, equity funding, uh, lending, traditional bank-based lending, and sales. So once you have those four things in place, every business in the world is going to be wanting a top-up of cash uh, or otherwise expenditure relief. And that's where research and development or R&D tax reliefs come into play. Sounds like a valuable source of income for some companies um, and one that perhaps is overlooked at times. It absolutely is. And I think it is a, it's a claim that a lot of businesses don't think they're eligible for. So it's certainly a case of people believing that research and development is done by scientists and it is certainly not just lab coats and microscopes. You know, HMRC's definition of R&D is purposefully broad and it is designed to incentivize growth and investment across the board. Interesting. So you say not just lab coats and microscopes. I mean, if you said to me R&D or research development, that would be my first instinct. I think I would be thinking of guys there experimenting a bit akin to your old chemistry lessons at school. So I guess what is R&D in this context, Sam? So research and development uh, in this context could be anything in your inner business or in, in your business that includes developing new products, new processes or services, or even enhancing existing services or products. All those areas are potentially eligible. Obviously, there is going to be a, a criteria assessment required. Um, however, you know, there's not, it's not a closed shop to businesses in any, any industry, really. I see. So there is quite a few different areas or different sectors, different industries that could be involved in this. And some of those perhaps outside of those you would ordinarily expect. But I guess, what do we need really? What do these businesses need to be doing to show that they are actually undertaking R&D work? So HMRC's definition is to resolve scientific or technological uncertainty. So that may be the creation of a new algorithm for, for some computing software or developing a product that's previously not available in the market or in the industry. So it's kind of, if you assess the baseline of the industry the, the company's in, anything that pushes the envelope uh, in the industry and across the field that they operate in. I see. So I, I suppose with these, these sort of activities and projects, you're going to need some kind of relevant expertise or specialism within that area and I suppose it must be related to the business or the trade that you're already undertaking? Most of the time yes however you know businesses do diversify their services and their their offerings so anything that is you know pushing the envelope and going further is eligible 
But as I say, there needs to be that that risk and feasibility challenge for any kind of project to, to qualify. It can't just be a case of, you know, from getting from point A to point B was easy. It has to be difficult and a challenge um, with relevant sort of hurdles in the way that have needed that those scratch head moments to really progress and, yeah, as I say, push the envelope, to use that phrase again. Interesting one. And I suppose an immediate thing that jumps out to me when we talk about that is the success. What if I'm not successful? Does that matter? How does that impact on things? Not at all. In fact, at HMRC love failure because it effectively proves that there was risk and a, and a chance of... Well, uncertainty, I guess. Right, exactly. There is no uncertainty. Sorry, there is uncertainty. It's interesting because every business will have an innovation life cycle where you know they'll have the initial problem, then a conception of a new plan and a new project. And it's likely that within that cycle, there'll be pockets that qualify for R&D, but not necessarily the entire, the entire cycle. For example, the initial sort of market research and then the sort of the, the final commercialization, those bits don't qualify. It's kind of that journey in the middle that's likely to contain the eligible R&D expenditure. Interesting. So I suppose even when you think you may have perhaps found a solution with evolving society, technological changes, what you think you've solved in the first instance, you can then perform further R&D work on as well to take it further to develop another new product, almost building on the work that you have already done. Absolutely. There's there's no there's no endpoint assessment or anything that sort of carves a business or its project out of R and D. It's purely that you know when it hits commercialization and gets delivered to customers and then you know hits the market, that's probably when the R and D stops. However, as sort of feedback comes back in from clients or customers wanting new iterations or new updates, as long as that then isn't a clear and obvious answer, that development at that point can go back into the research and development process. Sounds like it's a almost a limitless opportunity for businesses to undertake this work to help further their their needs, our needs as a society, I guess, and then receive something back in the form of actual financial reward, benefit, or a lifeline, I suppose, for some businesses. Exactly. And it, it's not very often you get anything back from the tax man. Uh, so it's nice to, to do that when you can. I suppose one of the interesting bits in that is we need to determine what what costs, what actually qualifies from the company's perspective for this R&D tax relief. So what would be included in a claim? So in a claim, you would include your staff costs. Uh, that includes you know national insurance contributions, pension contributions, cost of subcontractors or freelancers, materials, consumables, more or less everything that's, in, that's consumed in the process. Payments to subjects of clinical trials that have been required for, for R&D, you know, in the case of medicinal or pharmaceutical products, would also be eligible. And I guess in, in terms of explaining how that relief works, uh, it depends on the size of your business. So there's broadly two schemes. So there's a, an SME scheme, which is based on small and medium enterprises. Okay. And then a large company scheme, which is commonly known as the, the RDEX scheme or the Research and Development Expenditure Credit. I see. The definitions there are prescribed in law, in, in legislation. And uh, so to assess a small company or an SME, uh, it must have staff headcount of less than 500. It must have turnover of less than 100 million euros or a balance sheet total less than 86 million euros. You know, the euro element is a bit strange in UK law or legislation, but that's purely based on the OECD or, you know, EU principles. Okay, well... 
for a lot of businesses that we see, that's a pretty significant number of staff and a pretty significant balance sheet and turnover figure. So it doesn't sound like there's going to be too, too many businesses that are excluded from falling within that SME scheme. Right, exactly. So yeah, here at Love or Black, we see primarily SME schemes, so the smaller company scheme, uh, which fortunately enough is a much more generous scheme than the large company scheme, as you might might imagine. So the large company scheme is based on those big entities and uh, pharmaceutical industries, big pharma, or anything, any big organisations who may not need quite the same financial support. The smaller one is, is, as I say, more generous, based on small local enterprises. Okay, I suppose, like, logically, to me, that seems to make sense. You know, you're giving the smaller businesses greater levels of support for the work they're doing, and they may not have as, I guess, diverse or developed revenue streams, so they need that additional help. Exactly, and I think primarily it's there to assist companies who are pushing the envelope and improving processes or or products and trying to build themselves in the market and kind of solidify their position while growing at the same time. In a sense of how the scheme works, if you spend £100 on research and development as a small-medium enterprise, you could essentially receive 33% of that back from HMRC based on expenditure pre the 1st of April 2023. The rules have changed recently, so there is a different set of rules for any costs after the 1st of April 2023, um, which I'll come on to shortly. But yeah, essentially, it's, it's a really generous relief. You could receive you know, a third of your costs back in cash from the government that's a pretty massive repayment of cash there i would suggest and i think we touched on it earlier but must be a critical lifeline for some of these companies particularly these r&d intensive businesses ones who perhaps don't yet have a consistent or reliable or i mean even any source of income whilst they're undertaking these activities yeah some businesses won't have any income and they'll be purely research and development at this stage of their business cycle. Um, so they will be fully in development mode and may not have a product ready for market. But developing that product and their service offering is obviously vital for that company to develop and grow and hopefully have a product in the market going forwards. However, you know there are businesses who don't ever have a product that successfully hits the market, but those businesses are still eligible for, for research and development tax relief. So you mentioned then that there's been some changes from the 1st of April 2023. How, they, how have they manifested themselves? What, what have those changes been? So more recently, HMRC have come under increased pressure from the media and from professionals like ourselves who are becoming more and more aware of, let's say, some spurious, spurious claims in the market who potentially are providing reputational damage to, to tax professionals um, as well as accountants and genuine claimants of R&D. One of the big issues was there was a big disparity between the official Office of Statistics, or the ONS, their stats regarding research and development in the UK, compared to actually the amount of claim going through the tax relief claims. Interesting. So it's, it's almost like there is, almost alluding there to perhaps an element of abuse of what is a very generous, or what was a very generous scheme and source of cash. Right. I think HMRC had 14 R&D inspectors uh, as of 14. last year. Just 14. Um, so it's, it's impossible to police each and every claim going through. However, they've now increased that number up to 114. So there's now an additional 100 inspectors focused on 
the R&D claims. So there is a, a much increased notice and pressure from HMRC to investigate these things and ensure they're properly vetted. So we are seeing a huge number of businesses come to us and say, you know, we've completed a claim with a third party. It's now gone wrong. Can you help us? You know, that has changed the position in our industry greatly. Yeah, I can I can see how that's happened, I suppose. So that's why the rate associated with the relief, the enhanced deduction has decreased from 130 to 86%. That, I guess, coupled with the fact that the main rate of corporation tax relief has at the same time increased from 19 to 25%. Yeah, I think the government is in a, in a difficult predicament. We're in a time of increased taxes at the moment, you know, in the backlog of COVID um, and also, you know, the general cost of living pressures and then increased costs across the board. So with the government increasing tax relief, sorry, increasing tax charges, whilst incentivising innovation in as the R&D scheme does, there is kind of a, an up and down in terms of, or a trade-off between do you want to incentivise innovation, which would hopefully give us higher taxes or a higher tax... Tax base, I guess. A higher tax base in the future, but at the same time we don't want to be seen giving anything away for free. So the increased vetting and policing is quite important at this stage. I suppose it comes down to the fact that there is broadly a finite pot and it's how best that tax resource is allocated by the government and what they think partly is going to ensure that they continue to remain at the helm and control the country. This is it, and I think there is a shifting approach in government, but it changes, you know, depending on which Conservative Prime Minister is in position, let alone what party. So in the future, if we have a Labour government or, or any other party, who knows what their position will be on R&D. So therefore, it is one that we have to keep an eye on and be ready to change regularly. Interesting. So I suppose if we just focus on some of the numbers there, I guess, and look at how things have changed. Previously, we were at this 130% deduction, and now we're at 86. Correct. How does that make a change to say, if I was to spend £100,000? So £100,000 spend would ordinarily be, so pre-April 23, you'd be gaining a relief of 130%, um, which can then be relieved against your tax bill at 19%, or if you're a loss-making business, uh, surrendered for a tax credit of 14.5%. So, you know, if you're loss-making, that coupled means your £100,000 will turn into £33,000 of cash credit. Okay. In... Post April twenty three, that would look somewhere between sixteen and twenty three percent, depending on what tax rate you're paying. If you're profit making, uh, and if you're if you're loss making, that sits around about the twenty percent mark. Okay, so it is it's greatly reduced from what it was. Okay, so that must have hit some businesses pretty hard. Those ones that we've mentioned already rely heavily on this cashback credit, and I was aware that there was some pushback. I think from consultations etc after this was uh, originally floated the idea of reducing this tax credit and i believe that they've come up with a almost a, a third scheme the industry did push back quite heavily on the government because there's a whole host of smes who you know could have been brought under by these changes because they've planned ahead for that for that income which is now reduced from where it was so yes they've now brought in this kind of middle ground which is kind of a u-turn 
from the chancellor, which produces a new rate, which is primarily just for knowledge intensive companies or, or R&D intensive companies. So these are businesses who spend 40% of all costs on, on R&D. Okay. So I suppose there's quite a high element of tracking of, of your costs, what they, what they associate with or relate to, I should say. I mean, who, who's going to police that? How are they policing that? Is there something with that that has to be submitted to HMRC that confirms this? HMRC then have these greater powers to police things and the, and the way these claims are made. And I was just wondering, how, how are we going to see that going forwards? How's that going to work? HMRC have uh, introduced a new digital information form, which is now going to be mandatory for every R&D claim. So previously, you know, it, it was never mandatory to produce any further information to HMRC beyond the numbers. So you, you would just make your claim in your corporation tax return. We, as, as our business, we would always recommend producing a technical report anyway with your claim. So HMRC kind of have all the information they need from day one, so it reduces room for questions. But now they're kind of making that mandatory, so every business will have to submit this information form, how you meet the criteria, what your spend is, pre-answers any questions HMRC will have, just to kind of speed up that vetting process. I suppose that speeds up the uh, the speed of the repayment in terms of getting that cash made to the business. Well, we yet to see that, so we have to wait and see. But I think it will become a dark art of sorts to kind of fill out that exam paper style questionnaire um, to make sure you're kind of hitting the right points from HMRC. So it's really important, you know, to get the right advice and make sure you are providing HMRC with the most robust report from day one. So it's one of the final points I would say that I'd read about is that HMRC, one of the big red flags to them is where you have one advisor submitting your tax return and another advisor preparing R&D tax claim for you. So what they seem to be insinuating is that the two should be being undertaken by the same business or same advisor on the company's behalf. Ideally, yes, I think that is an indicator of third party assistance where you know previously we've had these cold callers style of R&D specialists submitting claims which is where HMRC have focused their attention. That's not to say it's incorrect, um, because there will be third-party providers doing a great job, and that there absolutely are people doing those great bits of work out externally. However, you know, going forwards on this information form, as I mentioned, um, there will be a requirement to name your advisor who assisted you on the claim, and uh, they will become you know equally liable to that submission. So it is really important to make sure you get the right advice at the right time. Interesting. So I suppose one of the big takeaways as we sort of wrap things up is that these R&D claims can be a great source of cash and relief for the right businesses. If they're genuinely undertaking these activities, it's it's a huge help. However, it's now an area of particular focus and scrutiny from HMRC. Yeah, and the, the administrative burden will, will increase greatly because this new form will be pre-prescribed and will need expertise to complete it efficiently so it is, it is one where hmrc are from some viewpoints looking to put people off making claims but otherwise it's going to become a much more administrative burden on, on businesses makes sense so i suppose it's a case make the genuine claims and trying to weed out the spurious perhaps arguably fraudulent claims that's the aim um so how can how can we help ed well as i said at the beginning we're a full service offering firm here and we you know can go right through the corporation tax return the R&D claim, the report, 
and all the other administrative requirements here. We have a thorough understanding of what is required by HMRC and we only want to work and provide the best quality product to our clients and, and companies as to ensure that they maximise their relief whilst ensuring that they have a seamless process as far as possible with HMRC. So I would say as an ending point, if you need help, if you think you're undertaking R&D work or you want a second opinion and would like us to have a look at things, get in touch because we'd be happy to have a conversation and very happy to help. That's been fascinating, Ed. Uh, thank you for joining me. I think it's quite important to note that here at Level Blake, we consider there to be three stakeholders in an R&D claim, at HMRC, the client and ourselves. And we've got people here who've worked on all three sides of that of that triangle. So we're quite well positioned to assist in all manner of R&D claims. But as I say, that's been brilliant. Um, thank you for your time, Ed. Happy to be here. Thank you to our listeners for joining us uh, on Live from Room 5 today. We look forward to you listening again soon. We hope you enjoyed our latest podcast. To download past and future episodes of The Business Live from Room 5, join us online at www.lovewell-blake.co.uk. 